This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. Good afternoon. We're here for a healthcare executive panel, and I'm very pleased to be joined by Nick Mascioni. Nick has a master's in public health and a master's in science, and he's the director of Health and Human Services Agency, County of San Diego. He's at my far right. We also have Dazel Sartras. Dazel is an RN and a recent graduate of this program, the Leadership of Healthcare Organizations. So she has an MAS, but her real job is Chief Operations Officer of North County Health Services. And then uh, we're very lucky to have Dan Gross with us, Executive Vice President for Hospital Operations at Sharp Healthcare, and has been involved with us for a long time here in the Leadership of Healthcare Organizations. And Donald Kearns is a physician, and he's the president of Rady's Children's Hospital. And he's here because I know his wife. That's absolutely (laughs) correct. So I'd like to give each of you two minutes to sort of introduce yourself, tell us what you do. So, Nick, tell us about yourself. Absolutely. Well, good evening, everyone. Uh, I'm Nick Mascione. I'm the director for the County San Diego Health and Human Service Agency. And we're a government-run health and human services network. Uh, what people don't know in San Diego, we're the largest integrated public health social service uh, agency in the nation at the local level. We have 6,000 men and women, uh, social workers, nurses, physicians, eligibility workers, and uh, we take pride that we serve uh, a million San Diegans over the course of the year, uh, prenatal to grave uh, is our continuum of care. So we integrated all these services, and the intent of this was to really look at the larger population. And we did this in 1998, and we've been at it now for the past 18 years. And we work closely with our hospital partners and our clinics and all of our social service uh, agencies in really being that public health entity, but also providing the the social services, the home-based care, and all the other things that happen in the community uh, that we contract or provide directly with our workers. Thank you, Dazel. Hi, so my name is Dazel Sarte. I'm from North County Health Services, which is one of the largest community health centers here in San Diego County. Our mission is to serve the underinsured and the uninsured. Um, And so we do have a lot of programs that the county helps us run. Uh, In North County Health Services, we provided 242,000 visits last year. Um, with about 60,000 patients out of those visits. We have 11 clinics across the county. We provide primary care, prenatal services. We do deliver about 70 babies at the hospital. And uh, we also provide dental services and behavioral health. My background is a nurse, as we all know. I actually started the Children's Hospital of Orange County, worked there for 11 years as a real nurse, and went into service with the community at North County and organically grew From there, um, where now I run all of operations, so that's fun. Yeah. Dan? Good evening, everyone. Dan Gross again, EVP Sharp Healthcare. Uh, I've had the great uh, fortune of being with Sharp Healthcare for uh, 36 years. Uh, Started off as a uh, surgical intensive care unit nurse uh, and then moved out of clinical uh, care into clinical management roles and then a variety of roles um, 
to be where I'm at today. Uh, Sharp Healthcare, quick overview. Uh, we're a $3 billion net uh, patient uh, net revenue organization today. Uh, we capture about 29% of uh, the market. Uh, we're the largest Medi-Cal provider for uh, inpatient care and services. Uh, integrated delivery system in terms of uh, all of the pieces of the continuum that you would think of in terms of uh, home health, hospice, palliative care, rehab, skilled nursing, affiliated medical groups, uh, et cetera. Uh, we uh, are just very, very fortunate to serve this community and uh, try to make certain that we're exceeding expectations, focus uh, very heavily on the big uh, three areas of uh, service, quality, and cost. And it's a pleasure to be here and talk a little bit more with you tonight. Thank you. Don? Hi, I'm Donald Kearns. Um, I am the president and CEO of Rady Children's Hospital. Um, I pinch myself every day. I think it's the best job in the world. I've been at Rady for 28 years. 25 of that was as a pediatric otolaryngologist. And for you non-medical people in the room, it's an ear, nose, and throat doctor. And then a year as the chief medical officer and about two years now as the president and CEO. Um, Rady uh, is um, just the most incredible mission-driven organization I could imagine to be affiliated with. Um, we take care of just about 90% of pediatric patients here in San Diego, and um, we have some incredibly exciting things going on right now, including a genomics institute that's going to change the world. So hang on to your hats. There are going to be some interesting things in the newspaper in the, in the near term. But, uh, Bob, thanks for, for allowing us to be here. Thank you. So we have some questions, and we're going to ask each of the panelists to address them. But I thought, Don, Donald, we'd start with you. What is the biggest challenge facing the healthcare industry, and how is it affecting workers in your industry slash hospital? Well, I think that one of the biggest challenges is cost, and I think that society is recognizing that we can't continue to deliver medical care the way we have in the past, and they've delivered the medical industry, and we are an industry, an ultimatum, uh, and the ultimatum is, is you've, you're going to have to change this or we're going to change it for you. And so I think that one of the things we deal with every day is understanding that we're going to have to change the entire paradigm. And one of the things that I think has happened in San Diego and Rady and Sharp and a lot of other folks have taken a leadership position is in, is in population health and helping to drive health out into the community. Because all of us recognize that driving health into the community and helping to create a healthier environment. And Nick has been a huge proponent of this, as has the community clinics over the years, is, is if we can deliver care in the community, whether it's through home health care, whether it's through visits uh, with nurses and uh, other uh, professionals in the, the home itself, you are keeping people healthier out of the hospital, reducing cost, it's a win for everybody. So I'd suggest to you that that is probably number one, two, and three on the list. Cost, cost, cost. Cost and, and understanding that if you can do a responsible job of controlling costs, you can actually make people healthier in the end. I, when we think about patients in the hospital, um, if they're ending up admitted to the hospital, it's because 
something has happened that potentially we could have prevented. Thank you. Nick, what do you think? Well, ditto. First, uh, <laughs> captured it. Um, and I won't repeat the, the, we'll talk probably more about it, but the right. social determinants uh, play a big factor. And I think uh, we're blessed in San Diego that we're able to work together. To me, uh, what's fascinating, uh, the biggest change and one that has uh, really prepared San Diego well, because we live it, is how the market is evolving nationally. One to become of co-opetition. And see, in San Diego, we're able to compete and collaborate at the same time. That is highly unusual, but yet it's required now. To achieve caring inside an institution to the community is going to require a great deal of collaboration outside the walls of institutions, across institutions. We're still trying to collaborate inside institutions, for some of us in government. But how you succeed in a cooperative market is um, no easy task. And so what we have demonstrated uh, for decades in San Diego is the ability to do that. Um, They talk about big data and and so forth. We haven't been calling it that way, but we've been doing that here in San Diego, uh, clearly even with our trauma system. And Dan can talk more about that, was involved with that. But what's exciting to me is that we're able to come together uh, and really map out uh, you know, what is the best quality um, across the whole lifespan, not just for the sick, um, but how do we keep people healthy? Um, how do everyone's heard about the sick care into the health care? I think we're going from sick care in San Diego, and we're not in sick care in San Diego. I would say we're more in health, and we've been doing that. Uh, and I think that's the exciting part, but challenge nonetheless in doing. Thank you. Diesel? Your thoughts? Yeah, I think uh, for us in the community health centers, there's a lot of um, change going on, just like with everyone, right? And change is difficult as it is. And when you're working with healthcare workers, most especially, of course, our physicians, change is not always an easy thing. Uh, So we're contending with that. We're also contending with the huge primary care shortage that we have. And so while we are in this collaborative competition, there is competition, and so for some of us who have uh, limited resources, right, it's, 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 uh, it's a challenge. And so that's uh, what we're contending with since the ACA had been passed. So now we have all of these folks that are now insured. Right, ACA being the Affordable ACA Care Act. ACA being the Affordable Care Act. Right. And most of these folks are coming into the community health centers um, since most of them are within the Medicaid expansion, right? Um, And so our doors have been jammed with folks and we're not able to meet the demand as we have them right now. And so there's a lot of work around meeting those demands. And um, at the same time, changing how we deliver the service, changing how how we now go into population-based health, how we now cooperate with uh, the integrated health system so that we can keep them in primary care, keep them well, versus in the more acute stage and the costlier stage of health care. Have you thought about group visits? Bob is joking because I actually wrote my master's uh, capstone on group visits. And so, yes, we've been doing that. It's a very innovative. I thought that was a question down the line, but yes. Yes, that's one of the things that we've been doing. 
you know, some some more progressive organizations out there, such as the Cleveland Clinics and Sutter Health. They've been doing this for years. Even Kaiser up north has been doing this. It's, an, it's a very innovative way of delivering service because you are then able to capture more patients with less resources, less provider time. Um, but it's a, a new way of thinking, and that's 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 the challenge is the change that comes along with innovative thinking. Mm-hmm. Dan, how about for you? It's I mean you you've kind of got the view from a lot of different places over the years in terms of the biggest challenge uh, facing the healthcare industry. You're on some national boards. What do you think? Well, the, first, uh, the biggest challenge was trying to identify the biggest challenge. <laughs> if there was only one uh, large challenge, we all would have much easier uh, jobs and lives. But what you, what you stimulate for me, and I think my colleagues started to address, is you know, if I look at the macro picture, we, we still have a major challenge today around um, healthcare economics. Uh, you know, Don and others refer to the piece of it around the cost, but there's also a very huge challenge around what I call the uh, the revenue side of the equation. What we truly are still wrestling with uh, uh, greatly is how do we make certain that there is enough revenue to basically provide the quality care and service that we want and need as we also redesign delivery systems and to focus on populations of of care. not to go too deep here, but one of the big issues, and I think sometimes uh, an issue that's not had enough light that it shines on it. If you take a look at most healthcare systems, their largest revenue stream comes from the government, Medicare and Medicaid. If you look at those two largest populations and where the greatest amount of the revenue comes today, that does not cover the cost of care especially within the state of California, where you see uh, some of the lowest uh, Medicaid or Medi-Cal reimbursement uh, rates. These colleagues around me know all about that challenge. So if you're losing money, if you will, or there's not adequate uh, revenue uh, to cover your largest population, how do you stay afloat? Well, you stay afloat, and we have historically, by doing something called cost-shifting. So those who are insured and have insurance, you know, they pay a lot more than costs to keep the books balanced. Well, what we know today, cost shifting is over. Employers can't handle uh, more increases. Uh, every one of us who contract as a provider have people knocking about reduction in rates. And when we keep moving those rates down and we hit the bottom, and we're not at the bottom, but getting closer and closer to uh, cost of care, being at its uh, lowest, we, we have a real crisis occurring, uh, I think, within this state in particular. So I would say our healthcare economics, our payment systems, and the cost-shifting um, uh, challenges are very, very large and huge. However, it couples very quickly with the need to take a look at the healthcare delivery system and how we redesign it. Nick and others have talked about how we really need to focus more on wellness, how we need to focus more on population health. And I think that is unquestionably something that integrated healthcare delivery systems and all providers are interested in. But we're still very, very fragmented. And so I think one of our additional challenges is that we have to look at the fragmentation across all providers. And when I say all providers, not just my own health system, 
but the fragmentation that occurs with public health, with community health uh, providers, with uh, children's uh, health care partners, we have too much fragmentation. Now, if we can get the providers together, that's not just good enough either. We also have to start thinking about how do we get our vendors and our suppliers partnering with us as they all want to drive up technology costs, pharma costs, etc., because of their business lines. And so that whole fragmentation, I think we need uh, to, to address. And then closely aligned with those is how do we make certain as healthcare providers, we really deliver to our patients and our consumers that which they are seeking. And I think we're moving beyond just our basic quality performance improvement um, uh, agendas into really how do we make our organizations all become high reliability organizations? How do we make certain that everyone we touch, that all of our processes have zero defect, and how do we make certain that we have no harm to our patients, our employees, and our staff. And so I wrap those three together as our biggest challenges um, in terms of my thinking. All right, well, that's very true and um, sets a very um, interesting goal for all of these young people that are interested in moving forward because I doubt you'll be here in another 38 exactly. years. Yeah, yeah. In fact, we're all here. That's right, we're handing the baton this, off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> This is your problem, not ours. <laughs> so, Nick, uh, in terms of uh, you, you have 6,000 workers, what's the biggest staffing need at your organization? And is it hard to find qualified people? And then uh, I think for people just getting into the business, what skill sets do they need to be successful in health? Let me start with the last one on the competencies, because that's, that's a key. Um, some eight years ago, it was nursing shortages. We were all, all of us were, you know, short of nursing. Um, what's interesting, what we're finding now, um, and it's great, I'm looking out to the audience, we some, you have a bunch of the age spectrum here, which is great. But that's the challenge, is that we're having people coming into the workforce, uh, millennials, uh, we have Xers, Yers. Um, yes, we have the, uh, you know, even the silent Generation, uh, so we have generational differences in the workforce, and they have different talents. I like to say, um, but coming in and the, and the entry that we're seeing, uh, the analytical skills to be both um, these, as what we just discussed now, big picture as well as understanding processes. So it's it's people, processes, technology, and having that type of analytic skills to be. Every one of the employees coming in being a strategist, being a service strategist, not to defer to the strategy department to do strategy. But we're looking for people to come in to each be part of that strategy development. And that's a little bit different um, because we typically, I'd like to say, we hired sometimes in the past for your hands or your skill sets. We want the whole person and the whole uh, involvement. And so understanding the issue of data when we say we're data driven um, the contribution of whether you're in a service line or department or, or division how that interplays beyond your own division across the entire organization and then let's have fun across the entire community and that skill set uh, that emergent skill set of being that integrator strategist uh, is something we're looking for but yet also a challenge and having people come in with those type of qualifications. 
Donald, what do you think in terms of the biggest staffing need at your organization? Well, I, I think that we still, we continue to have challenges with, uh, with, with recruiting qualified nurses. And of course, I'm, I'm in a very unique situation because we, we want someone who's got lots of pediatric experience. So I think we do continue to have challenges with, uh, with um, attracting and uh, bringing in qualified professionals, physical therapists, uh, nurses. But I will leap ahead and say the challenge of the future is going to be uh, IT. And it's going to be that across the board. It's, uh, I think that if, if, if anybody here is old enough to remember The Graduate, when Dustin <laughs> Is that Hoffman, a movie? It was a movie. Oh. <laughs> it was after your, not, your time, not before yours, Bob. So um, there was the line to Dustin Hoffman about plastics. Well, now it's information technology. I will tell you that uh, that is... Uh, people are climbing all over themselves looking for people who are talented in information technology. And uh, for the audience here, if you are involved, are a clinician in any way, shape, or form, and you look like you have some interest in information technology, they're all over you. So you, that, that's exactly what we're looking for, is somebody who can help to build order sets in our electronic medical record, who can do bioanalysis, who, can, uh, who understands informatics, who's going to be, be able to create, uh, um, uh, a, help us to deal with uh, genomic sequencing. All of those things, which may mean nothing to anybody in here, that's going to be what the future is, I promise you. And it's happening now. I mean, we've, we, we are uh, we're having a hard time staffing up our IT department as we speak. And what we're very interested in is what Nick's talking about, is people who can think creatively, but also people who can live a mission and uh, have some connection with clinical medicine in some way, shape, or form. Great. Thank you. Ditto on that. IT is huge for healthcare. You know, I think healthcare is a little bit behind when it came to technology, right? I think really it's only been in the last five to ten years when most of healthcare adopted EHRs. And now it's mining. Electronic health records. Electronic health records. I cannot abbreviate. I see that. Okay. (laughs) I will have to learn that. Electronic health records, EHRs. Um, And mining that data learning how to do predictive analysis, right? A lot of buzzwords. And, you know, it's it's being forced upon us, really, you know, uh, from the Affordable Care Act, ACA, um, because that is the way to transform. Population-based health is all about mining that data and figuring out who the high utilizers are, who the folks are that are costing the system a ton of money. So, but there's not a lot of expertise within the current health, health, healthcare workforce currently. Um, there's a huge issue with uh, the decrease in physician graduates, especially, especially at the primary care level. With the uh, ACA, there's a lot of pressure on the primary care providers to keep patients at bay in order to keep the cost down. Um, I believe that we've had 
more than a 40% decrease in physician graduates in the last 20 years. And that is huge. You know, there's a lot, a lot of other sexier jobs out there for the, the, the smartest folks in the nation. And, and I think our government is going to have to look into that, but we don't have to wait for the government to do that. We, as a community, we as citizens need to, to look into what is going on with that. We need to have some change because um, as the aging of the population is upon us, we're going to really need to look into who is going to care for our elders. So that's huge. Again, I think there is also a shift in how we take care of our patients, uh, people who are strategists. But I think it's more people who, are, who understand that health care is is very much now focused into consumerism, right? Everyone's yelping their doctors. People are checking out, you know, the ratings of the physicians. And so we need to find folks who understand that healthcare is also a customer service um, entity. And so there's, there's struggles around that, finding the right people to do the caring for the patients. So I think for me that's... That's what's that's what's going to happen. Right, that's a good challenge. Dan, your thoughts? Well, I think we have a lot of consensus thinking right. across across the panel. Um, high on the list is basically IT. Uh, IT specialists of many many types is uh, our probably greatest need and our most difficult to recruit. And once you even recruit them, there is such a demand inside and outside of healthcare, you really have to uh, be very, very competitive and, uh, and uh, healthcare organizations historically are not real nimble when it comes to things such as uh, uh, new and unique uh, uh, compensation and benefit packages to retain people because of the concern about equity and fairness. Uh, so that is huge for us. At the very top of the IT specialist lies the uh, IT security uh, leaders and experts. Huge. The whole cybersecurity thing is just amazing. Uh, you know, I'm pleased that I'm not, I, I say this to paint context, not to brag. Sharp Healthcare has been on the top 100 uh, most wired list now for, I think, 15 years in terms of IT, great places to work, et cetera, et cetera. Well, we've been through I, uh, three IT security uh, leaders in about two and a half years to just give you the idea of how quickly they're being pulled. Then you've got the whole the database analysts, the clinical software folks, um, the project engineers. So it's really not just one type of IT uh, worker we need. It is the entire uh, IT workforce that gives us challenge. As others have referenced um, on the nurse front for us today, it's really about finding the experienced specialty nurse. Today, right now, within our community and our state, there's not this huge nurse shortage that we had historically. And it's very, very sad because many of the new graduate nurses, you know, are coming out of programs and not finding employment. And that's because the new uh, grad um, cohort has saturated the workforce and what we're really needing in our EDs, our NICUs, our ORs, our ICUs are people who have experience as our population continues uh, to age and become more complex. The other thing that's uh, a challenge for us on the work front are what I call new and emerging roles. 
And the majority of them, not all, are really roles that are, again, calling upon some clinical background and knowledge. And so what we're finding is a lot of our experienced nurses are jumping into those new roles, such as clinical documentation specialists, so that we make certain all of our physicians are documenting for meaningful use and reimbursement issues, uh, et cetera, as we prepare for something called ICD-10. So if any of you have any interest in terms of health information management, documentation, uh, if you want a side job as a coder, you know, you could be hired in a nanosecond, and that is a, a really uh, large uh, field. And then the other one that Nick referenced that resonated so well is really around leadership and management. We find it very uh, increasingly more and more difficult for first-level management roles and then second-level uh, management roles. We as healthcare systems uh, have done a great job in terms of addressing the clinical staff, that uh, frontline worker, in terms of work-life balance. Most work 12-hour shifts, three days a week. Uh, salaries are pretty good right now. The average nurse salary in California is $100,000. And so why do I want to go to five days a week, 10 hours to 12 hours a day for maybe 115000 So. That's a real challenge in terms of, I think, leadership. And probably it's not just health systems, but across the board. I, my colleague here, you know, it's like she's in a community clinic. How does she compete with a $100,000 staff salary within her environment? Yeah, I, you, I know. It's so I mean, hard. Help yeah. us. So, <laughs> those are a few of, I, right. of, I think, our, our larger right. staffing good, challenges. Very good examples. Dan, I'd like to ask you about the Affordable Care Act because I know that you've been involved in that, and it's having huge implications for the healthcare industry. You know, the question is, has it improved things for clients, or is it really falling short? And uh, what about those people that want to seek jobs now? I think we've talked a lot about that. But certainly, uh, what do you think? Has it improved healthcare, and where is it failing, and where is it going? Right. Uh, well, my, my first comment, and I, I want to uh, uh, emphasize a nonpartisan statement. Uh, it still polarizes if you're on the left or the right. Uh, but I, I think the first thing that comes to my mind is what an extraordinary success the ACA has been around addressing the uninsured population. And I would like to see, regardless of one's partisan perspective and politic and view, that that is recognized. If you look in this state alone, 68% of the previously uninsured in the state of California now have insurance. That's remarkable. So that's the first thing I, I, I focus on. Now, unfortunately, as I kind of referenced earlier, yes, we've got additional people being covered in terms of our Medi-Cal program, but it still is an under-reimbursed uh, program for the state, which creates uh, uh, economic challenges still. But perhaps one of the largest challenges, and I think you referred to it a little bit earlier, is we have inadequate primary care networks within our uh, state and our community to care for this uh, new uh, population who has had uh, healthcare, unmet health care needs for a very, very long period of time. And so what we're seeing today as a consequence is our emergency rooms being flooded 
with uh, Medi-Cal patients because they don't have alternatives in terms of receiving care. And what we're seeing is that it's a very complex population. I'm certain I'll see agreement here. It's not just physical health issues that these individuals are presenting with, but the behavioral health issues are immense. And the behavioral health infrastructure for care delivery across the continuum has to be strengthened within San Diego County. Uh, and it is at crisis. And so I think that that is an association with ACA. Fortunately, Nick, myself, and Don are all on a committee uh, right now trying to address some of those uh, issues. Um, I also think the other shortcoming of ACA is that it didn't provide a clear roadmap for the future uh, payment reform models that need to be in place. So the ACA doesn't really clarify, are we still going to stay in a fee-for-service model or are we going to move towards some type of risk-based population health model to meet the needs of uh, uh, cohorts uh, in a more comprehensive way, keep them well, and keep them out of our hospitals? So I think that needs to be strengthened uh, as well as we go forward. And then the last uh, point I will make that gives me concern and caution is how we have stood up the health care uh, uh, exchanges, insurance exchanges. Remember, we, we did two things with ACA. We created a new health insurance exchange and we expanded uh, Medi-Cal or Medicaid. Well, over here on standing up the insurance exchange, there, some, there's something called the three R's. And the three R's are economic underpinnings that give life and viability to the exchange. Well, those three R's go away in uh, three uh, years. So when they go away, will all of those health plans on the exchange continue to play, participate? Will all of, the, I think it's 1.2 million individuals who went on to that exchange, will they still be able to afford the care and will the health plans want to play? So just some thoughts. Right, I think it's a work in progress. Hopefully uh, we'll see some changes made to it in the future. Um, Nick, how about uh, Affordable Care Act, since you end up taking care of a lot of the Medicaid people and Medi-Cal people in California? We all do, actually. Right. But, um, but Bob, I think i start with Dan. It's been a remarkable, uh, and for those that don't know, um, accomplishment. And San Diego's, um, for our size, for large counties, was one of the best performing counties in, perf- in linking people into uh, Medi-Cal. We have 700,000 San Diegans in Medi-Cal today, um, almost a doubling effect. And we did that in partnership with everyone really coming together. That uh, Again, that co-opetition really worked well. Um, but in many cases, we've uh, expanded access to an imperfect system, and what Dan was talking about. I mean, I think we would all agree, if, if you kept the same freeway and you added more on-ramps, but you didn't improve the freeway that already had some uh, blockage <laughs> and delays, you would be setting up for more frustration. So we have new pain points, and Dan hit on one of them, absolutely, behavioral health. Um, capacity uh, around serving this population um, in the community, in the, uh, our acute care hospitals, in jails. 
um, and on the road to recovery. So we look at it from the entire continuum of care. And I don't think there was any vision uh, that I could see. Uh, and I was one of the few that did read most of the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act um, bill. But I think the challenge also is of the folks that we did expand as a result of the um, Medicaid, some 300,000 San Diegans have never really used the system. They don't know how to navigate the system. Right. And so that, that burden falls tremendously, uh, first and foremost, on our federally qualified health centers and great work that North County Health Services, for example, does. But Brady's and Sharp and all our hospitals. So this is a new burden that comes with no reimbursement uh, and a huge challenge of how do we get people uh, who are now covered and that this whole concept that we talk about volume to value, well, it's from coverage to care. Mm-hmm. How do we get people to know how to use their care? And by the way, um, the concept here is also the personal accountability, that it does not fall just on the healthcare provider community or government. This is Dan's point earlier. It really is the collective community that has responsibility, employers, mm-hmm. uh, schools, and, and so forth, that uh, have to be part of that. And, and I think that is what we're attempting to do in San Diego. But it's a, a daunting feat. And so uh, in such a uh, short period of time, in two years, the type of huge disruption uh, that it's created is a challenge uh, for us, clearly. Diesel, how about you? You've been probably, as a uh, community clinic, uh, been really influenced by the Affordable Care Act. Yeah, so, you know, I just to give you give some perspective into things, um, North County Health Services, prior to the full implementation of ACA, we had about 54% of our patients were self-pay. And so when we see a self-pay patient, we, um, on an average, lose $120 to $150 for every visit that we that we do for a self-pay patient. But that's our mission. And so for us, the challenge has always been how do we find the resources to continue that mission? And we've always done that, and we're very creative, obviously. Um, so for us, from 54 to 32%, it's gone down. So that's, that's, that's nice. So just like what everyone said, now that they have the Medi-Cal card, they want to use it. Mm-hmm. And so our next available appointment has tripled. And so now I have the challenge of board members telling me that it's hard to get through to the phones. They got through to the phones, and the appointment is way far out. So that's the reality on the, at the ground level mm-hmm. for us at the, at the FQHCs. And I think that's the same for almost everyone. And so you're contending with the primary care shortage, right? And you're contending with this huge amount. We saw over 9,000 new patients last year. It's a staggering number. We increased our uh, we increased our visits by over nine percent last year. And so, in order to meet that challenge, we had to be very, very creative in what we do. We extended our hours. We added Saturday providers. All of these things that we're doing. And so, I think it's it's positive, but it comes with many challenges uh, because of just really providing that quality care that we want to provide the patients. And so, I think I agree with everyone that while. It, it fixed this uninsured issue for the most part. Here in San Diego County, we are a border state, so we will always have the uninsured. Um, 
it didn't really give us a lot of guidance in terms of how do we really also transform the way we deliver. That was left for us providers to figure out. Well, that is also a good thing, I believe. I don't think that we need the government to tell us exactly what to do. I think we can figure it out. We can all partner with each other to figure things out. But it's, it's a slow process. Transformation in healthcare is uh, it's a snail space, it seems like. We've been trying to transform the way we do things since March of 2010 when ACA passed because it was coming down the road. Um, so I think it's changing the oil while the car is running. That's sort of analogy. So that's all I'm going to say about it. Yeah. And and I think government. You're meaning federal government, the state federal government, government, not local yes. government. Yeah. We're we're friends. Yeah. We live in our community. Yes. We can't we hide. Yeah. <laughs> Donald, how's the Affordable Care Act affected uh, Children's Hospital? Oh. Well, Bob, the interesting thing is, is we sort of got a pass. Right. Because uh, the vast majority of children were already covered by Medi-Cal. So it has not had a tremendous amount of effect, uh, of effect on us. But I'm going to use this opportunity to reiterate the behavioral health issue that my colleagues right. have talked about. Because I think that, and I don't know if that's on your question list, but I think the first time I actually spent time with Nick, he said, what are you worried about? I said, behavioral health, behavioral health, and oh yeah, behavioral Behavioral health. And so I think that society has spent a lot of time sweeping a lot of mental health issues under the rug, and it's time for us to take them on. And I think San Diego County for one, is is up to the challenge. And I think that uh, uh, Nick and Dan are right. We are on this com- uh, committee together, which is classic coopetition because it's multiple systems coming together, very similar to what, uh, what Dan and uh, a lot of colleagues uh, helped to create around the trauma system, which is world-renowned. And so I think there's a huge opportunity for us to show leadership with that. I know that wasn't your question. Right, but, but that's okay. I, I can ask a follow-up to that. But the, the question really for me is, uh, when we talk about behavioral health, there are so many different buckets that need to be filled, whether it be providers or social workers. And how do you think, uh, what programs are any of you aware of that are doing that? Because, you know, as we look at it, the, the need is much greater than the supply. And um, I don't expect you to have answers to that, but it might be interesting, I'm sure. Well, well Bob, I'll tell you one thing. It's not one thing. Right. Um, because as the, as the committee and the community, we, we recognized that this is, uh, we have folks that, as uh, a young age, present with mental health challenges and live into old age. And we have others that uh, present in midlife or uh, with in, in later in life. So across that spectrum, um, and whether they come in through a correctional system, kind of justice system, or through presenting at schools, uh, or people that are, are veterans that are homeless and post-traumatic stress and living on the streets and end up in an emergency room, there's many ways. And so it's a multifactorial um, and, and I think that's how what we're attempting to do, and I think we're going to do successfully, is look at the whole picture. And this gets to when you talk about population health, yeah, that's what we're doing. We, and we're calling it the behavioral health continuum of care. And realize, as we said from the get-go when we first met, 
it's not just going to be the hospitals and the county health and human services or the clinics. It's going to be many other folks, law enforcement, uh, social service agencies, housing. Mm-hmm. And how we bring them together, that's the San Diego way. Uh, but first, we're taking a step back, and I think Dan was really uh, was insistent on this. We agreed. Let's be data-informed. It gets back to the competencies. Let's make sure we look at the data, what that tells us, and let's listen to the people. Let's listen to our community, what they tell us. So um, we're going to be doing this very thoroughly. Dan may want to jump in a little bit more on this, but uh, what excites me is that every other community is stymied right now. And we're not alone in San Diego on this issue. I mean, you just read the papers of what's happening tragically across the country. What we're not doing is staying idle. We're taking a proactive stance together and figuring it out together Mm -hmm. and then really impacting that type of change. You know, I I think it's it's wonderful that we're even tonight having uh, a discussion and dialogue and reference around behavioral health. I personally think... um, We didn't plan this, by uh, the way, Bob. (laughs) As others have said, the behavioral health challenges are not um, singular in nature. They're not simple. They're not easy. However, I think one of the most critical things we have to do is start recognizing that behavioral health issues are as important as physical health issues. That has not happened in this country. We have fought this for decades And I think that we are finally coming to realize that the uh, majority of our patients no longer have one or the other. They have both. And that it's going to take commitment and resources and everyone coming together to find the solutions. But it does mean that we have to change how we resource from a human resource perspective, how we define programs and services, how we ensure health professionals are available, and how we will put all of this out in front of the general public. There's a reference made about the trauma system and the extraordinary things that we all collectively did in this county. One of the best trauma systems in the entire country. If you look at preventable mortality rate, you're not going to beat San Diego County. It is the place to have an auto accident. You if know, you have to have or, one. Right. If you have to have one, or trauma. I think we all would like to sit here someday and say, this is the best county. This is the best place to receive behavioral health care. And when we start addressing it, we're going to drive down the cost of care issues right. that Don and Nick and Basil and all have, have addressed. To your point about, the, I think, the workers and the professionals, I think top on my list, uh, in terms of workforce sh- uh, shortages and need around that, uh, this population, first and foremost is psychiatrists. You know, our, 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 our uh, uh, medical institutions, our academic settings are not producing enough uh, psychiatrists today to meet the needs. Uh, and we also have to create greater incentives for uh, physicians want to work in acute care settings. We have a county behavioral health hospital and mental hospital. We have the largest one at Sharp in Mesa Vista. Both of us struggle with getting uh, uh, psychiatrists recruited to this community. And we're very fortunate, believe it or not, because we've got UCSD here with a strong psychiatry program who is feeding this community. So those are kind of, and probably second are advanced nurse practitioners in the behavioral health field is another area that I think we need to address. But our social workers, our psychologists, uh, we, we tend to do fairly well. And I think, Bob, to, to, 
to further on that comment, part of what our plan is is to actually inventory all these assets because what we want to do is to do this responsibly. And I think that one of the things that perhaps medicine has not done and healthcare has not done well in the past is that. So we've got to figure out what assets are on the ground in order to figure out where we move next. And I, I'm incredibly excited about this. I think the potential for this to be a, uh, a real changer for this community is there, again, like the trauma system. And, and Dan is, was an integral part of helping to create that, and that was pulling teeth when that occurred. This is not going to be an easy process. So you've kind of whet our appetite here. I mean, Dr. Kaplan, I cannot forget. I need to put a plug. There are two bills on the state Senate floor right now that will help address this issue with behavioral health. One is letting our marriage and family therapist, MFT, uh, be able to be, to be able to bill uh, Medi-Cal. Right. And this number, the, the second one is for us to be able to bill medical and uh, behavioral health services on the same day. So please send your notes to your, to your representatives and let's get it voted in. It'll help us tremendously Absolutely. for sure. But you've kind of whet our appetite as to what you're doing. When will this be finished? You know, what is your timetable? And maybe we need to reschedule another session to hear uh, what you came up with. Will it be before you retire? Oh, I don't know. When am I retiring? I don't know. <laughs> it won't be completed before I retire. I do know that. Oh, no. Dan, you're telling us something there. Well, no, it's just the magnitude it's of gonna the be a project. This is years. Right. I mean, if you really think about the magnitude of change, I, 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 we've not put times to this, but I, I'm thinking a decade to really reach where we want to be. Incremental improvement that you can measure and feel positive about. Three to five years? I, I look, I mean, yeah. we have no, but. We're just getting started. Baby steps at this part. And I, I, I think that the wonderful thing is we found people passionate about this. Yeah. And they're people that can share that passion. So That's I'm, great. I'm very optimistic. Great. We wish you good luck. Just one little uh, more anecdote back to where we started uh, on this question, which I just found to be fascinating. I thought you all might be as entertained as I was. Maybe not. Uh, In terms of the question, in terms of the ACA and what type of roles um, uh, would it create, did it create? And it kind of uh, made me think of Nick's, um, you know, freeway and the uh, on-ramps, et cetera. I did a little, I, I went to the literature to find out what, what did they say at the beginning around role job creation around the ACA? Well, my first surprise in terms of review, there was nothing mentioned right. about health care providers in terms of job creation. They identified six in terms of the um, articles uh, I reviewed. And so I, I wrote those down for you. Uh, IT professionals, management consultants, lawyers, insurance sales agents, customer service uh, representatives, and navigators. So they did know there was complexity about how to get care. But isn't that kind of fascinating? That is fascinating. Right. They seem to leave one large category out. Just interesting. Right. Well, um, we just have a few minutes left. Uh, I wanted to ask Daisel because I wanted her to be able to talk about her 
capstone project. Uh, what emerging trend in healthcare are you most excited about? And how do you see it improving quality of care? We want to talk about group visits, I think, is what right. how you're Right, group visits, yes. wireless well, I, health, yes, we're talking to yes, people on, right. through Right, so your, I'll start with group visits since, right. you know, I know that very intimately. You know, again, I want to go back to what I said, is we need to be able to uh, create innovation within healthcare. We cannot continue to do what we're doing because obviously wasn't working that great, right? And so group visits was one of those things that I came upon because, uh, again, with the community health centers, very limited resources, a lot of patients. And so even before I joined the program, I was very interested in communities coming together. Now in the media age, right, everybody is on their cell phones. I, uh, Sometimes I text my kids to come down for dinner. You know, uh, that's that's how connected we are now to our device, right? And so I think that's 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 missing in again now within our communities is to be able to connect with each other and to talk about common issues that we have. And I think healthcare can go back a little bit on that. You know, and 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 you know to hear about someone else dealing with the same issues. How did they? How did they fix it? Because sometimes the answers are not always with the white lab coat. The doctors don't have all the answers. But when other folks hear about, oh, you, that's what you did, that's what you did. And it's a, it's, it's a win-win-win situation, right? The providers win because they don't have to talk about diabetes 10 times with 10 different patients. The patients win because they now learn another way to take care of their diabetes. And the organization wins financially because now they only have to provide that one provider for the 10 patients perhaps in two hours. So that's an an innovative approach to how we transform delivery. Um, But there are many other ways that, again, the reimbursement models uh, is very much behind on the different things that we can do with technology, right? There's now you, I think, I believe Kaiser now is saying, go ahead and email us. But of course, that's a closed system. They want to keep their patients away. But for us who are still sort of stuck with the per visit model, you get paid for every visit that you see. Um, I, if I email uh, Dr. Kearns over here, and he actually responds, that's time, that's valuable time that we're not getting paid for, but that the technology exists. Why can't we do that? Why do we have to drive two hours to see Dr. Kearns when perhaps he can help us solve our issue from the comfort of our home? So that's, you know, one of the different things that we can do in healthcare, how to provide that care. There's so much technology out there that's getting pushed upon. I think I get 10 emails from IT vendors on how I can change the way I deliver care. And I keep just wanting to say, please help change the reimbursement model first, because that's where, that's where we have to start there. Does anyone else want to comment on that? Well, I just want to say about technology, it's, it's, a, it's a necessary evil uh, and is of great value, uh, because for us, it's connecting the unconnected. But a, one of the dangers uh, of that is that we can't lose that human, human touch. Uh, the great Irish philosopher, uh, Bono from U2, uh, <laughs> said, uh, the greatest impact you can have is by connecting with people. And so we have a, a movement in San Diego. Um, it stands point about you have to have a vision. 
the, the Affordable Care Act didn't have a vision. Um, it, the triple aim is not just a vision. Uh, where do we want to go as a people? And we have something called Live Well San Diego, North County Health Service is a, is a member of that. It's a, it's a collective effort of many, many providers beyond just health care that are coming together and saying, to, in order to build better health, you also need safe communities because in the presence of violence, you can't achieve health. And we need to have the housing. You need to be thriving. We need to have education and thriving. We need to deal with poverty. And so you have to look at that. And if we're just talking about health, it's so daunting just to look at health, but to say, oh, gosh, even safety and thriving. But in order to really transform a community, to live a long and purposeful life, you have to do those things. And that's what we're doing. And that is connecting, using technology, but connecting with leaders together and our folks and paving our own way in San Diego to living well. It once again overwhelms me with all that we have to do, but at the same time, all that we've accomplished. And certainly each of you has really contributed to that. So thank you very much. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.